innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it, make it way harder for them to follow. But I take it hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. W-H-U-P-L-P, Hillsborough, North Carolina, the center of the known world. This is once again the Cage Side Concussion Cast on W-H-U-P-F-M. My name is Jeff Shaw, and for the next hour, we're going to be talking about the martial arts in the Carolinas and beyond. It's going to be a grappling-heavy show today because there's lots of grappling stuff going on. I'm very excited uh, to have my good friend and roommate, Alex Cummings, in the studio with me. There's a lot of reasons that I wanted to interview Alex. We'll get to those in just a second. But first, got to tell you how you can get a hold of us. If you want to get a hold of the show, it's cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at cagesidewhoop, on Facebook at Cageside Radio. You can get at us through all of those potential enterprises, or just see me when you, uh, when you, uh, when you attend local grappling tournaments, which I hope you will. So I'm going to talk about our featured interview for a second. Just for those of you that don't know who Alex is, um, Alex has been a pretty phenomenal uh, jiu-jitsu competitor for the last couple of years. Uh, he's a blue belt, four-stripe blue belt at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu in Durham, North Carolina. He's done a lot of super fights. He's coming off a very impressive Toro Cup uh, submission victory over Eugene Cabanu in one of the most memorable matches of the year. We'll talk to him a little bit about that. I will talk to him a little about his, a bit about his jiu-jitsu journey, about rock climbing, about memorable matches, about training at most, if not all, of the schools in the area, ranging from Virginia all the way down to the rest of the Carolinas. And we'll talk about his impending move to Montana. That's right. We're breaking some news here because I still, I think a lot of people still haven't heard this. Alex is going to move to Montana for uh, at least a little bit and train some jiu-jitsu out there, take a new job, and hopefully come back to us after having enjoyed the big sky, seen Yellowstone National Park, drank a bunch of moose drool beer, and whatever else they have going on in Montana. So we'll talk to Alex about that in our featured interview. I do also want to mention that because it's a grappling-heavy show and Alex is one of the most prominent members of the grappling scene, we're going to go over in our news segment a lot of the uh, the recent happenings. We'll cover the Kakuto Submission Challenge, which was last night in Atlanta. They always put on a terrific event. I really enjoyed watching that. In fact, paused my birthday party to watch several of my friends' matches, which was enjoyable. Congrats to those guys for putting on another successful event. We'll talk about Toro Cup, which is November 12th. It's coming up, and some more matches have been announced. Alex and I have each trained with, sparred with, competed against a lot of the people that are on the card, and so we'll give you some perspective on some of the new matches that have been announced. I think about 80% of the matches have been announced right now, but there's still some really exciting happenings, so please pay attention for some of that. And finally, we're going to preview U.S. Grappling Greensboro, which is going to be October 29th. That's right, two weeks uh, from yesterday. U.S. Grappling, uh, our favorite tournament organization, the best-run tournament organization that I've ever participated in comes back to the Carolinas uh, and so we're, we're pumped about that I'm pumped to get back to competing after the Charlotte Open and I hope to see all of you there as well so if I missed anything please let me know cagesidewhoop at gmail.com twitter on and instagram at cagesidewhup let me just also preview something which is this is this is what you call a tease um, there are going to be some changes that I think I'm, are going to be really exciting and everything for the better regarding the show regarding some of the other projects that, uh, that I'm involved with in jujitsu and so stay tuned for the next couple of weeks because we're going to have some pretty exciting announcements about things that, um, that are on the horizon for us things that are going to uh, help serve the goals of the show to make the North Carolina 
Carolina grappling scene grow bigger, better, get everybody in the world training jujitsu and just kind of grooving in pride on the mats in our communities. And so uh, before we get into our featured interview with Alex Cummings, uh, we're going to start the news segment. And the news segment is going to start with a bumper from Robert Drysdale. The, the lessons jujitsu teaches go well beyond arm bars and sweeps. Ultimately, the, the, the main lesson that jiu-jitsu teaches is one that is one of humility. You get beat every day. There's always someone better than you. You're never done learning. And these lessons, are, to me, are more valuable than arm bars. We're going to talk a little bit about that insight from Robert Drysdale, which I couldn't agree with more when we get into our featured interview with Alex Cummings. But first, let me welcome my good friend Alex Cummings, uh, four-stripe blue belt, my roommate, and a phenom competitor uh, onto the Cage Side Concussion Cast. How are you doing this morning, Alex? I'm doing great, Jeff. Great to be here. Awesome. Let's get right into the news. You know, a lot of great uh, stuff happening in the local community. Let's start with the Kakuto Submission Challenge because we can recap that and we can preview the two upcoming events. You and I both got a chance to watch uh, some of the matches from last night. I think those guys put on one of the best events around. Um, there's a 135-pound tournament and a series of super fights. And uh, so your friend and mine, see, you know, I, I, first of all, uh, your friend and mine, C.J. Murdoch, competed. Sam Fallhaber competed, and uh, Caitlin Huggins also competed. I'm wondering if you have general impressions of the event. Man, it was it was really great, and I thought it was uh, amazing that they were so prominent in getting all female super fights. Pretty much, I thought that was a really good facet of the event. Um, I thought that Sam's match was amazing, um, how she, like, was so active and ahead and then just, you know, at the last minute, you know, it's the great thing about jiu-jitsu, you're never really out of the fight, something can always get caught, um, sadly it didn't work out for her there, but, um, I mean... Yeah, let's talk about that for just a second, like, if you didn't see the match, so Samantha Fallhaber, who, uh, is a top-tier competitor, black belt, Gracie Humaicha, former show guest, really tremendous, fluid, fundamental, top-controlled jiu-jitsu, I was really impressed with her transitions, and she fought Talia Fuentes for the first time. Those two had never competed before. And for much of the match, I mean, Sam's guard passing was outstanding. She was in a lot of dominant positions. Looked like she was going to finish a bow and arrow choke at one moment. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, as Alex alluded to, like late in the match, Sam got caught in kind of a funky position where she got caught in like a head squeeze triangle, like without, without the arm in, where mm -hmm. the girl just kind of was squeezing her head. And then used that to isolate a toehold, ends up winning by submission. Yeah. As as Sam cleared her head out of the triangle, she accidentally brought her, or maybe even purposely trying to transition out, brought her foot all the way to her butt, and the leverage was just too great, and ended up having to give up on the toehold. Yeah, so that was unfortunate, but like I, I mean, and it was, you know, it's one of both the beautiful and frustrating things about jujitsu in that, like, I really thought Sam, you know, Sam dominated I think eighty percent of that match, and it's just at the black belt level, you can't afford to get caught mm -hmm. and 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 so I was I was you know I was you know I'm still mostly happy for you know because I thought Sam put on a really terrific performance obviously didn't get the result she wanted but it was an exciting match and I think she was able to put a lot of her game on display for the fans in what was a really entertaining transition based match because she would pass her opponent would try to recover Sam would use that to, to fluidly transition to another dominant position and uh, and like and the bow and arrow choke looked deep. Like that was a last ditch escape from her opponent, and I really thought Sam was going to finish that for sure. Uh, I, I know you, myself, and uh, some of the black belt spectators at your party last night. All once we saw that grip get in the collar, we were like, "Oh, it's it's over here. It's pretty much done." And then she scrambled out. Like you said, last ditch was an amazing escape, and um, from there it sort of started to go downhill. But um, like I said, she, Sam did an amazing job, and definitely the 
more dominant um, competitor there. Yeah, I mean, pro- and props to your opponent for uh, for successfully escaping what was a tight submission. Two things I want to I want to lift up out of that. First, um, the reason that I think we all thought it was done was uh, uh, is that Sam, when she came down for a seminar, like taught details on that particular choke and then choked everybody with it. And and I, you know, she's choked me with that. I've seen her choke many other people with it. And like a lot of the details that she taught me are things that I still use when setting that up. And so I was like, oh, it's money. And you know sometimes, sometimes the the you know the the flex and bust out just kind of gets you out, which is you know an unfortunate reality. Mm-hmm. But second, I also want to kind of describe, you know, we'll get into this more in the in the the, the more personal feature element of the show. It's like so last so last week was my birthday, and the first time we could have my birthday party was last night. It was a Saturday night, and so obviously it should be of no surprise to anybody who listens to the show. A lot of my friends do jujitsu. <laughs> And so we have all these, you know, Jake Whitfield was there, Black Belt, who's been on, been a guest on the show, James Boomer Hogaboom, owner of Toro BJJ, Cage Side MMA, like, uh, you know, James Quigg was there, you know, I'm a prof- successful professional MMA fighter, like, um, you know, so all these folks that train, and Kakuto is, is running this free Facebook live stream. And so, you know, we've got the music going, but I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we watched some of these awesome Black Belt matches. And so we legitimately paused the party so that we could kind of kind of watch it to look in. And so it was kind of cool to, like, you know, as someone that's obsessed with jujitsu, to have this like birthday party and it's your birthday, you should do what you want. And if you want to watch jujitsu with your friends, that's probably something you should do, right? For sure, it, it, it is wonderful when you do have that social group where it reinforces that in the party. It's like, well, sadly, I understand some of you might want cake, but we have priorities here. <laughs> exactly. I'd like, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't think Jake will mind me saying there, there's nothing he loves in the world more than jujitsu and cake. <laughs> So, <laughs> which can bring us on to our next opponent um, who went against Caitlin. Yeah. yeah, so Caitlin's Caitlin Huggins had a super fight, and her opponent had the, the someone like her, her opponent's nickname is is Tubby Tubby Santana, and uh, was a quite um, um, you know, so I, I was really impressed with Caitlin, and it ended up being not you know not Caitlin's night. And it was one of those things where, once again, at the black belt level, when you compete against Tubby Santana, is a top tier competitor, mm-hmm. has had a ton of success, and I was so impressed with her. But like, man, I was like, I'm very proud of the way Caitlin performed because Caitlin passed, you know, top pressure, and and like honestly, the first time I didn't even see what happened because I was like, oh wow, this is awesome. Caitlin has, you know, was in a dominant position. You know, she's she's working her game, and the next thing I knew, Tubby had recovered guard. And caught her in a triangle. And I was like, oh, wow. And it happened just like that. I yeah. don't know if you saw that transition. I did not. Uh, I was went from seeing her in uh, side control to all of a sudden she's caught deep in a triangle and doing some last-ditch defenses. And um, it, it was looking really good. Like you said, um, Tubby Santana is just an amazing competitor. She was definitely a, on an uphill battle from the start there. And uh, I thought she still did a really good showing. Um, you know, it happens. It, it does, and like and, you know, there's certainly no shame in losing to somebody on that level. And once again, it just shows how a split second can change everything, right? You're in side control, dominant position, feeling good about things, and it's like, okay, well, this person's really good, and I've got to be, got to be on point. And I think for Caitlin, like, I'm very excited to see where she goes over the next year because I think she's just on the cusp of breaking through in matches like this, where it's like, and this is part of the journey at, for a, a top level competitive black belt, where. You work so hard to get to that level, to even be able to compete on that stage with Dominica, who she competed against at the Charlotte Open. And now you're on that stage. Okay, and now you're on that stage, and now you're doing really good things. Like, wow, you just passed the guard of someone who's not easy to dominate. Mm. And, 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 you know, and, you know, seeing those improvements and seeing Caitlin, like, get, you know, 
incrementally to those next levels, I think she's going to start winning those matches very soon. And I, for one, am super, super stoked to see that. Um, so speaking of winning those matches, I know that CJ Murdoch did not get the, the ultimate result he wanted, but CJ Murdoch, black belt, former show guest, like really good friend of the show, really tremendous asset to the Carolinas grappling scene. And uh, we want to get the Murdoch brothers in the studio together sometime soon. So CJ competed in the 135-pound Nogi tournament and did not get the ultimate result he wanted, but his first match, CJ looked like a boss. CJ is a boss, and and um, just when I, I don't know if you saw that match, but um, I, I definitely saw uh, parts of it. And CJ was, I mean, you could really see where the Tedere like passing has been influenced by his game, and like it was very very good match. Um, thankfully, he won that one by submission. His second match, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, heel hooked. Yeah, it was it was a quick catch, and again, C- CJ was you know he was active. He's doing his, his flip and pat like headstand pass and just going through a bunch of stuff and um you know last second out i think it was an outside heel hook and it was just too deep yeah it's unfortunate i was really like i was really happy and like if you have the opportunity the the stream is still up on the kakuto page so go and check out that match particularly the first one because the first match i think went just perfectly according to plan where Mm -hmm. cj was able to implement his game flawlessly and they start it's a no-gi match and cj's really I think, I mean, not to speak for him, but like, it seems to me he's been much more focused on top and takedowns and passing. And so he foot sweeps the guy, which is difficult to do, Nogi, in, an, in such an effective fashion. Just like gets a really nice foot sweep, gets on top, passes, and just like really kind of surfs the cat until he's ready to finish. And at that point, you know, when you're, um, when you're underneath CJ and Mount, I mean, that's, you, you're going to have a bad time to steal the meme from the internet. And so eventually the guy trying to get out gives up CJ gives up his back to CJ and CJ sinks in the rear naked choke for the finish which was re- really really you know gratifying and, and lovely to see and like that was and and you know as you said I think you described the second match perfectly where it was a just a really quick catch and it's like when you do that sort of movement passing and sometimes like it's 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 just like I, you know I, I'm I'm not qualified to evaluate like what you know how that match goes any other time but that, that, but what what happened could happen to anybody, right? Yes. You're just like, ah, got in a bad spot, have to tap. Sometimes things get left behind when you're doing that kind of movement, and you know, I, I was actually surprised there wasn't more leg locks in that um, tournament yeah, because, me too. Um, you know, in a high level black belt nogi uh, competition, you're seeing it a lot more, and guys really focus on that. Um, so it was, it was surprising that was, uh, I think maybe the only one. Uh, yeah, it was the only one I saw. Yeah. But then I, it was also my birthday party, and after my friends' <laughs> matches, I was. I was, no, I'll go back and watch the whole Kakuto because, like I said, those cards are really good. But like uh, after after my friends' matches, I was much more focused on cake, and so because I'm all about that cake, I mean, like it, Daniel it's, Cormier. It's definitely a good thing to be about. <laughs> yeah, and before we before we move on, like so once again, congratulations to all the Kakuto people for putting on another awesome event. Before we move on from that, like just to segue with the CJ Murdoch thing, I want to announce that CJ has his, is finally making his long-awaited pro MMA debut, which a lot of people have been excited about for a long time. Unfortunately, I believe it's November twelfth, the same day as Toro Cup. So CJ won't be competing on Toro Cup, but couldn't be more excited for CJ to make his pro debut, get back in the cage. I know he's been working very hard on that. CJ is one of the most entertaining fighters, period, because he's good everywhere, always about the finish, always having fun out there. His fight with Stephen Thigpen, my teammate and good friend, was one of the most memorable like MMA fights in the Carolinas that I can ever remember and like both those guys just went after it and I couldn't be more excited to watch CJ get in the cage so we will post on the Facebook ways that you can get tickets support CJ for that we'd love to get CJ back in the show either uh, before or after so just want to announce that CJ is making his long-awaited pro debut so congratulations to him 
And so, uh, do you have something? That, that was with uh, Conflict and Indian Trail, North Carolina, right? It is. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be an Indian good. Trail Conflict MMA. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're in the Charlotte area, or if you're anywhere, like if you're anywhere in the Western Hemisphere, you sh- you should go to that. Um, I'm I'm actually looking into it, like because I think I think the card starts at eight, and Toro Cup is usually in the afternoon. So Toro Cup usually starts at noon or one, and we can use this to. We will be talking about Toro Cup uh, in about two minutes, but um, I think I'm going to try and go to both. Because Toro Cups are always awesome. And usually it's about a three-hour commitment for Toro Cup. And so if they start at noon or one, finish up by four, you know, I might just roll out to Indian Trail and watch C.J. Murdoch have a whole day of the old ultraviolence. And that was uh, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, but we did that for Pro Jitsu. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Which we'll get into. And, like, and, and you know, uh, tease. Like when we're in the feature interview with Alex Cummings here in about 15 minutes, we'll talk about some of Alex's super fight matches, some of the, the, the tournaments that he's competed in, some of the sort of, like, little, like, um, I don't even know how you like the pro jitsu tournament, like eight man bracket that he competed in the blue belt, dark horse invitational and such like that. But so let's finish off the news segment with a couple quick things. Um, I want to, uh, I want to talk about Toro cup in more depth. So let's talk to us grap about us grappling first. U.S. Grappling comes back to North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, October 29th. Um, that's in two weeks, so you can register online at usgrappling.com. I will be competing. Alex will be in Montana hugging moose or whatever. Um, but, like, do you have anything you want to lift up about that particular tournament? Are there folks coming down that you know are going to be particularly uh, exciting to watch? Or there, is there anything special about this tournament that the listeners should know about? I'm, I'm always a huge, I'm one of the biggest U.S. Grappling fans out there. And uh, Greensboro's usually an amazing showing and uh i think this should be a pretty good showing for black belt students because dave porter is coming in yeah um i know i'm not sure if dan frank peed this weekend but he, he'll definitely be there in greensboro um and then you have the chance of some more local instructors and stuff it's such a closer drive that like uh the last time i don't i don't know if he has any plans on competing this time but last time jake whitfield competed for yes grappling was in greensboro i believe it was um, and so you can always look for some amazing matches there, and uh, I hope it's uh, another great turnout. Yeah, definitely. And there's lots of new black belts that are competing in the area, which is is really exciting. The black belt division is growing out here. I know there's a lot of alliance black belts that are coming down. You know, especially with Lucas Lepre in in Charlotte now. And so, so yeah, it'll. So even if you're going to show up, just to, there's never spectator fees at U.S. Grappling. So if you just want to come check it out, you're going to see some awesome, awesome competitors. Uh, Alex mentioned Dave Porter, very exciting competitor, always, always fun to watch. Um, and, and you know, and you know, and if you want to compete, I, I understand that that's available as well. <laughs> uh, uh, so you can't compete in all eight divisions, though. Sorry, I ruined that for everybody. So let's talk about. So U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization. Mm-hmm. Just like really well run, tremendous people, like tremendous customer service. Our our favorite local super fight organization is probably the Toro Cup. Uh, you know, not just because I helped start it, but that doesn't hurt. Uh, but so Toro Cup Five is happening November twelfth, as we mentioned. Same day, unfortunately, at CJ Murdoch's fight. But um, want to talk about. But we're going to get into the matches because both Alex and I are excited about some of these matches. And I've talked about some of the ones that I'm excited about that have been announced. Some new matches have been announced that me and that me and Alex are both pretty pumped about that we'll talk about. But first, let's talk about the charity that's going to benefit this time. Every time Toro Cup benefits a charity, this time fifty percent of the money is going to go to Gees for GIs, a charity that provides Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gear um, for service members, which is a, a great great cause and maybe Alex maybe you could say a few things about that yeah I mean it's, it's an amazing charity and a bunch of our um, a bunch of the black belts in the area have been supporting it for a while now doing uh, little seminars and just sort of gathering up lightly used geese and I'm sure they'll be making some sort of donation like that in the event itself um, and so we've been aware of the charity and it's been going on for a while and I think it's been really successful and you've seen some really amazing like 10 plus black belt seminars uh, from the event and it's just been uh 
really, really good cause. And um, I think that having a huge sponsor like Ranger Up as like your primary is going to be really um, beneficiary too, because um, you always get a new fan basis with um, any kind of sponsoring like that. And sure. So. And thanks to Nick and Susie from Ranger Up. That's uh, I mean, we're all really excited to support that. And speaking of veteran related causes, friends of the show and Toro Cup matches, congratulations to our buddy Bryce Mahoney for his new job at the Derby Project. Mm-hmm. I know he's very excited about that. Bryce, veterans cause is really close to Bryce's heart. So I know that that new job is exciting. And I know Bryce is excited to be on this card benefiting Geese for GIs at an event sponsored by Ranger Up. And maybe that's a match we can just talk about. And he's going to he's gonna go up against Matthew Zamora, mm-hmm. which I think is going to be actually a very good and exciting match. I, I definitely think it's going to be a competitive match. I like to see it's in the Gi. Uh, it should be wonderful to see both those guys going at it. Uh, my only real concern with that match is if Bryce is rolling, who's going to be serving Asai? Dude, that's a critical, critical question. I mean, I, you know... I. He's got to he's got to farm that out. He's an important man now. He's an executive director of a nonprofit. He's got to make some moves. Yeah, he's got to make some moves. Maybe maybe uh, are any of his kids old enough to serve the Asai yet? Potentially, absolutely. They probably add up to eighteen. We can get around labor laws that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so so Bryce, you you have a new charge. You must delegate. You must delegate. And good luck in your match. I think and sincerely, both. I know there's a lot of mutual respect between those two guys. And so and I'm also excited for it to be a gi match. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think that that that's one of the matches that I'm looking forward to. So congratulations to Bryce on the new gig. Best of luck to those guys in that match. So Alex, you and I were talking about some of the matches that we are most excited about. What would you say the the the, the match that's been announced? We haven't. We don't know all the matches yet. But what match are you most excited to watch? I mean, there's a bunch of competitors that jump out um, that stand alone by themselves. So amazing because I've there's just some people I've seen more in the local circuit, um, specifically like Travis DePriest always puts on an amazing show. Super uh, super game opponent goes after submissions nonstop. Always the kind of match you're trying to look at. Um, Trey Pace is an axe murderer. You you <laughs> see that guy roll and you're like, I want nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. Um, and so you, you see guys like that on this card and you're like. That this is going to be good, you, you you know, no matter what, it's gonna it's gonna be an amazing match to watch. Yeah, Trey has had two Toro Cup matches, both of which were like match of the day candidates on mm-hmm. each one. His match against Dave Porter in the first one, and his match against Tim Dawson, which I think definitively was the best match of the last card. Tim Dawson from Dave Jacobs Jiu Jitsu. That was just an incredible match between two absolute beasts. Yeah, talk about two guys going at it. It was ridiculous. Um, but I think the one that uh, that's been announced so far that like really catches my eye is. Uh, a Tour Cup veteran and a uh, B guy going out for his first time there, which is Josh Williams and Andrew Bittner. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be no geese, so there's going to be a lot of scrapping and uh, a lot of scrambles probably, but Josh has got such good control and it's just like really aggressive brings it, and Bittner has been doing really well with the leg lock series recently, um, and he has a frame that's difficult for some guys to deal with. He's longer, but he's still a heavy opponent too, and so it's looking to be uh, very entertaining in my eyes. Yeah. yeah, Josh has had Josh is another guy who's had two amazing Toro Cup matches. His match against Laban Probst that the first Toro Cup was outstanding. You know, he won his match at the last Toro Cup, and like, and Josh is one of those dudes. Especially this is a no gi match, as you mentioned, and so I do expect there to be a lot of leg locks. Josh won by heel hook in his last match. Bittner, as you mentioned, has been doing a ton of good work with the leg locks. Like, you know, had a memorable match with Cole where he tried Cole Hopfenberg from Chapel Hill that uh, where where they went after each other's feet a bunch. I'll be interested to see the strategy for this match, you know, under the rules. I, I, I can guarantee two things. I can guarantee there will be a lot of movement, mm. and I guarantee that it will be exciting because both of those guys go for the submissions. And, you know, and Josh is also a physical beast. Yeah. Like, just an absolute specimen. And and so I will be—and his technique is good, too. I don't mean mm. to, 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 you know, to 
you know, I don't mean my praise for his physical abilities to be damning his technique with faint praise because he has really good technique too. But like, man, I don't think those guys are going to stop moving. Yeah. My, my, the one thing I'm really wondering about is I'm, I'm expecting Bittner to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I think Bittner might actually be heavier than Josh. I'm expecting Josh to be slightly stronger. Um, and so I'm wondering how well he's going to do trying to elevate Josh right off the uh, bat and sort of set up into that single X hub, single leg X hub, and really just start going for leg locks. If he's going to be able to do that, or if Josh is going to immediately impose his game and just sort of the scrambles ensue. That, that's actually a terrific point because so here's the thing. I don't doubt that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to ask Bittner to give up his strategy, but like, if you were to ask me, like, is Bittner going to pull guard? I would probably guess yes. At the same time, I would not want Josh Williams on top of me. You know, and and I think most people agree with that. Yeah. And like and and so it's one of those things where and this is where styles make matchups, right? Where it's like, okay, Bittner has this really powerful guard game, really great sweeps, really good leg attacks, good single leg X. And it's like, okay, it could be a strength on strength thing where it's like Bittner's strength versus versus uh, Josh Williams' strength. But at any rate, I I agree. That's going to be a pretty that that is one of the matches that I am most excited about. Um what are, some, are there? Are there some other? And you mentioned Travis DePriest. You mentioned uh, Trey Pace is on the card. Um, a lot of great matchups. We mentioned our buddy Bryce Mahoney. I will say, uh, I am very excited to watch Shayla Two compete. Mm-hmm. This will be Shayla's first Toro Cup match, and she's going to compete against Kim DeFiori, Kim DeFiori from Beta Academy. Kim, who uh, won her Toro Cup debut in Toro Cup Four in a really memorable match uh, against Amber Habel, um, where Amber, uh, you know, uh, I thought Amber did a phenomenal job and just, you know, kind of got caught at the end. Mm. Um, and, you know, n- and props to Kim for, for enduring a, like, that was a long, grueling match that Kim fought through and ended up arm-locking Amber at the end. So I, I, I'm, like, if you haven't seen Shayla 2 compete, and I know most people, like, if you've been to U.S. Grapplings, you've seen her a bunch. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you see all the videos of, of Shayla competing. But if you haven't seen Shayla compete in person, okay, not only is she an outstanding jiu-jitsu competitor Shayla's really fun to watch really fun to watch just incredibly graceful movement and like it's not a lot of fun to be on the receiving end of because she wants to get on top she wants to smash and she wants to you know she wants to attack and attack and attack and uh but like from a visual perspective like it's not a lot of fun if you're on the bottom but uh, but it's really fun to watch yeah, for sure. I mean, and talk about an accomplished grappler. Um, only a blue belt, but she's, I mean, pretty much the reason that Triangle Jiu-Jitsu won the team points in New York for the women's nogi. Um, she's gone out there and just double gold at multiple events, world champion, I believe, right? Um, and the, the last, this re- most recent year at the Pan, she, she um, was in top three, and just she's such an amazing competitor overall. Her game's so solid, and, you know, no nobody really wants to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, and you know Shayla, like you mentioned, she's a blue belt, four stripe blue belt, and and you know, I, I most people know me primarily as a guard player. I love playing guard. I love sweeping, all that stuff. Shayla is tougher to sweep than almost any of the male purple belts I train with, uh, and and like regardless of size, mm-hmm. because it's not just her technique, which is excellent. It's not just her balance, which is excellent. But she has this almost preternatural grace in terms of like. It's just so very difficult to put her off balance, and so this is an interesting. This will be a very, a very interesting stylistic thing. You know, you talked about Bittner versus Josh, and who wants to be on top. I think both Kim and Shayla want to be on top, mm. and so it'll be very interesting to see under the Toro Cup rules. And for those of you that you know, most of the people listening to the show are well aware of Toro Cup, aware of the, where, well aware of the rules. But let me break it down because I think that that affects strategy. So the first ten minutes is submission only. 
And so this is why a lot of people wind up pulling guard. It's like, okay, points don't matter. I'm going to hunt submissions from the bottom. The thing is, like, stylistically, Shayla really wants to be on top. And she wants to smash you and pass your guard and, and then inexorably progress toward that submission. And so I'll be very interested to see if these two fight for the takedown for a long time or if somebody decides to sit. Mm, for sure. On a side note, maybe we should get Shayla and Jinho uh, uh, Kim to do some sort of balancing beam <laughs> yeah, act right. to see who really who has the ultimate uh, unsweepable base and grace. Yeah, no, that's unbelievable. It's like it's like the, the <laughs> if, if you haven't rolled with either of those folks, wow. You know, I have this one sweep that I do where I uh, I get deep half guard and sort of step on the inside of somebody's knee and like normal humans like do not have the range of motion to be able to like you know if I extend my leg. It shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't be able to bend your leg beyond 180 degrees. And both of those people are just like, yeah, yeah, you're not sweeping me. And I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, yeah, fun people to roll with. Uh, anyway, so Toro Cup's going to be awesome. It benefits geese for GIs. It's November 12th at Cageside Fight Company, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina. We always post all the information on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cageside Radio. So uh, those are the matches that we're most excited about that have been announced. We'll continue to announce the matches that come out. They should the, show, the whole card should be out by November 1st. And so please be pumped for that. Please show up and support a great charity, Geese for GIs, and come out and support Toro BJJ. And so that is our news segment. Again, if we missed anything, let me know. Cagesidewhoop at gmail.com, twitter.com slash Cagesidewhoop. Without further ado, uh, in about 15 seconds, we're going to, you know, so, uh, you know, Alex and I have been friends for a long time and, you know, training partners uh, and roommates for the last uh, year and a half or so. And so I'll be really sad to see him go to Montana. And uh, but, you know, I thought this would be the, the best opportunity to take a half hour or so and talk to Alex Cummings about his journey in jujitsu, about competition, about training method, about making fun of Jason Culbreth, which will definitely happen and uh, what the future holds for him. So stick with us for about 15 seconds and we'll be right back. I don't consider myself, you know, like, oh, I do martial arts in my spare time. I'm a fighter all the time. And even if I'm not fighting, that, that 100% drives who I am as a human. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.org. So, Alex, for those of you who might not, you know, you've trained at basically every school in the area. Not like as a full-time student, but you vi- you're, you're like me in that you visit uh, tons of schools to learn from and train with a bunch of different folks. But for those of you that... You know, so most people, I think, are at least cursorily familiar with you from your drop-ins. But for those of you that may not know who you are, maybe you can explain how you started training jujitsu and what brought you to this point. Um, so I started training jujitsu actually uh, <laughs> very oddly with um, it was Todd Wheeler at Immortal BJJ inside of a mega gym of uh, Rapid Fitness at the time. I was really interested in grappling and everything, and a couple Google searches led me to that was a local place, and I did some sort of six-week trial there. Didn't really work out for me. Ended up sort of looking for more ventures, and I was like, oh, wow, there's, there's a Hoist Gracie black belt right, like, less than a mile from where I work. Go check that out. It's Forge Fitness, and uh, some of the best instruction, most, one of the best places I could ever hope to accidentally walk into. Um, right away sold, hooked on it, um, had amazing, the amazing tutelage of uh, Billy Dowie and Jason Colbreth for couple years and um really really glad that's what submitted my game fundamentals um and from there i ended up going to arizona for a while trained out with uh, gustavo dantas and uh megaton diaz for a second um as well as checking out the mma lab with uh john crouch and benson henderson and then uh when i come came back i, I was back at forge for a little bit and then since then i've 
primarily been at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu with you guys. Um, and it's just been an amazing journey. You know, you get to see, and especially traveling with U.S. Grappling too, you get really huge perspective on um, jiu-jitsu as a, um, for each environment and like how, you know, how regional it is, you know, where, where you see different games really play out. And uh, it's just been an amazing journey so far. And uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing it in Montana. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about what your plans are for Montana in terms of training in a second. But you hit on a point that I want to lift up, which is everybody trains jiu-jitsu for different reasons. You have a lot of people, like especially out here with the Hoist Network, tons of people train for self-defense. Tons of people train for the, because they enjoy competing. Tons of people train for physical fitness, you know, community, whatever. Why, why would, if I were to ask, why, why do you train jiu-jitsu? And is that different than why you started? Um, it, it definitely is different from what, where I started. Uh, the reason I started is because, you know, I'm, I was a lighter guy, and I had been in a couple altercations, and it usually ended up in grappling exchanges, and I was like, all right, well, I want to get better at that. And so it was definitely the self-defense aspect of it. Um, and then as I got more ingrained into it, it was I hadn't really been competitive in any sports um, growing up, and so I had this new outlet where I was – being successful and I, I was able to go out and win gold medals and it was addicting it, it was amazing and so I just kept going after it and every competition I could find I was signing up for and just anything on the east coast I, I, I tried to go out and compete in and had an amazing time and just since then I've been just ingrained into it as a sport and I mean it's been life-changing do you have competition goals? Like you compete all the time, right? And like, and, and this is something that I've witnessed. Not you know, there are a lot of us that are active competitors. That are like, hey, U.S. grappling's coming. Hey, you know, we'll go to the pans or whatever. Uh, and you are one of the more active competitors in that. Like, okay, we'll drive to this tournament, that tournament, any opportunity to compete. You've done pro jitsu, which we mentioned. You've done Toro Cup. Do you set competition goals for yourself? As in, these are competition medals that I want to win. So I definitely do. I, originally, I started um, with just sort of broader goals, like brand new white belt. I, I you know, a month in, I was like, all right, I want to win the worlds at every belt level. And I was like, all right, well, that's a very broad goal. So you have to set benchmarks to get to there, obviously. So all right, let's let's take gold at U.S. Grappling. All right, check. Let's take gold at all the U.S. Grapplings. <laughs> and then from there, you know, I realized that it wasn't really my the medal wasn't really what I was chasing anymore. It was, you know, I just want to keep getting better at jujitsu. I, I want to be the best person in that division every time. And so it doesn't really matter showing up to that big tournament. It just matters getting out there and seeing a fresh face and just pushing and trying to be the most efficient, you know, and in my, my mind and my jujitsu, you know, that that's hunting for the submission, you know, and just like trying to finish the match you know I, I'm not like I said I didn't wrestle or anything coming up and so the points game wasn't always like uh, very prominent in my mind and uh, didn't really flow and it, it kind of didn't make sense to me of like why, why would I have why would I use six minutes of energy if I can use 40 seconds of energy yeah no that makes sense to me as somebody that like it's, it's weird because you and I are in many ways although we we, we are both extremely passionate about grappling and exper- extremely passionate and avid competitors our styles might actually be inverse of each other because I'm very, you know, and maybe that's a function of age, maybe that's a function of, but like our body types are wildly different. I am a short, stubby vegan. You are none of those things. Um, I am very slow and methodical and station to station in jujitsu and that like I want to progressively dominate positions that will lead inevitably to submission and you are very much hunting the sub all the time, which is why your matches, you know, whether it's a sub only match or a points match, your matches are generally speaking very short. Hmm. One thing I want to ask you, and, and so 
and I have my own answer to this, but what do you think your biggest win in jujitsu is so far? Like if you had to point to one. Hmm. It's a, it's a hard question. Uh, I've had some really memorable and like, um, like if I had to bring it down to a single match, um, it might be my most recent or one of my most recent competitions with Eugene. Cause, um, I, I had had that match building for a while and had it set up a couple times and, uh, it kept falling through, and it, it was disappointing because I'd seen Eugene compete against teammates and uh, some friends of mine, and I was really looking forward to it. And I, uh, coming into the match, um, I slightly underestimated Eugene, and so I, you know, I expect him to be big and strong and athletic, and uh, he, and he was. was, yeah, <laughs> and he definitely was. Uh, but you know, I, I definitely um, was expecting the match to be much quicker, and ended up really expending a lot of energy, and it was uh, one of the more tiring matches I've had in a while. Yeah, that was actually the one that I was gonna I was gonna cite, and like it's it's tough to say okay biggest win, you know, or toughest match, and we'll talk about some of the I want I want to hear your take on some of the other competitors too, and some of the people that you think maybe don't get as much credit as they deserve. We'll talk about some of the people on the scene, um, but like that match was a tooth and nail back and forth match, and 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 you talk about a contrast in styles. Like for those of you that haven't seen Eugene Cabanu roll, he is very much a top pressure guy and like big strong dude just very tough individual just like i think mentally and physically just a very 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 tough guy and 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 so to watch you uh, roll roll against him and like especially in that like something had to give and he didn't he did not want to tap like to that you know you ended up finishing with a triangle Mm -hmm. um and he fought it until the very last possible minute, which is, is, is basically what I expected. I mean, you, you can, you know, and, and I mean, I respect that, like where it's like, you can beat me, but I'm not just going to give up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely, uh, there's definitely more out of that. I mean, and there, there's always that concept of you get a lot more out of a loss than a win because, you know, if, if I win in the opening seconds, like, I mean, what did either of us really get out of that? You know, not, not a huge thing. So when, when you go through a huge struggle like that and, uh, you know, face a little adversity, there's more room for growth, you know? That actually reminds me of, like, I think your insights there are valid, and I'm going to use them to make a joke, uh, which is, it reminds me of the interview with Cody Malte from Elevate MMA, where Cody's like, I don't want a long, hard fight. I want to catch you with my trick and be out of the cage, cashing the check. Yeah. Which I think is also a very valid perspective, probably more so for a pro MMA fighter than a blue belt on his way up. Yeah, I, uh, I actually, I, I love his concept of that um, in competition, especially in, like, a tournament aspect of, you know, I, I'm i I'm there to catch you. I'm, I'm not there to explain it or anything else. I I want the uh, Al stove is hot done. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't get an instant rematch. You got to go home and think about that and hopefully, you know, well, it's, you have to have those fundamentals so you can create the opportunities for those catches and for those like tricks. Once, once you have that base, it gives you a lot of opportunities to, um, especially at the, you know, lower levels, um, you know, throughout the intermediate and advanced division and like, cause Nogi's a little more scrambly, you know, it gives you that, that chance to really flow and ha- have some fun with it and, you know, just catch those things that didn't look like they were going to work out. This actually harkens back to a comment you made earlier when I asked about your goals. And and it's sort of interesting because you're a different jiu-jitsu practitioner at different stages of your life and career. And what makes you, and like right now it seems like you're focused on just improving your jiu-jitsu, just being as good at jiu-jitsu as you can be, which is a broad focus and one that is sort of like I, I, would, I would characterize as the general growth perspective. And what's interesting about that is... That is often opposed to the 
tightly focused, I want to win this particular competition. Because if you're like, okay, I have a match in two weeks that I really need to be sharp on, you're drilling all your A-game stuff, all those like three to five techniques that you're like, this is my jam, this is the stuff that is most likely to be the hot stove that that guy gets burned on. On the other hand, if you're like, well, I'm looking at the Alex Cummings that's going to be in five years, your focus has to be a bit more broad. And I would love to have love Cody, but we're going to have Cody back on the show at some point. And I want to talk to him about like the difference between that view as a competitor and like, okay, I'm trying to maximize my competitive success in the short term versus my role both as a martial artist in the long run and as a teacher in the long run, where it's like, all right, if Cody, for example, who has a tremendous guillotine, has tremendous leg locks, if he's training for a super fight, those are probably the things that he's going to like, all right, we're going over the A-game stuff. But like in terms of like building a school or building a, a broader knowledge base, you have to, you know, you have a, a different perspective in your training and a different perspective in, in, in the jujitsu classes you teach and, and train at. For sure. And uh, touching on that, you know, I, th- I think that it's great to tra- like be drilling those A-game stuff, um, but I feel like, you know, you're, you're already good at what you're good at. If, like, if you look at uh, how a lot of people are approaching MMA now, where they're not even, like, there's some schools of thought of all you need to be working on now is conditioning. You're not going to get any better at fighting. You already know how to fight. You just need to be able to go and go and go. And so I kind of look at that the same way for, like, a super fight of, you know, I already know the submissions I'm good at. I mean, I could always get a little bit better, but inside a short window, you're not going to make giant leaps and bounds on that. And so I just want to continue to practice like just the persistence of, you know, creating those openings under pressure and, you know, being in bad situations and just getting out of it and being fluid and, you know, not not folding under the pressure, you know, really sort of being able to sustain and survivability. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is super valid. And, you know, just from my perspective, I find, you know, and we'll transition to some other stuff in a sec, like... I think there's a time and a place for everything. And there's a time to just compete, 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 compete. And honestly, compete, competition can be, it's really fun, but it can also be tiring and draining. And like, especially after like some of the most recent, like I competed a ton last year. And then after a while, I was just like, you know, I just want to kind of train jujitsu and learn stuff and like play around with stuff that I'm not good at. And like, maybe let's learn some judo so that I can get better takedowns and things like that. And it's sort of the difference between a tightly focused goal oriented approach and a more broad-based goal-oriented approach of like I want to I want to get better I want to learn and improve even if I'm not going to go out and sumigayashi somebody at uh, at US grappling although maybe I will watch out suckers so let's talk about Montana um, and so why Montana and what does your jiu-jitsu journey hold for you out there um, so I uh, I was looking I've, I've been looking for a new position for a while now and one of the like 50 50 yeah I, I was thinking about that one I, it's that's not really a new one you know <laughs> just sort of New name, old, old, old thing. But um, like the honey hole. Yes, okay. that that that's really my favorite. I mean, any anywhere that bees gather is what I was looking for. Um, but one of the uh, one of the founders and co-owners of uh, U.S. Grappling has a friend in the same field as me, and uh, they were talking. I, I he mentioned me, and long story short, I ended up putting a uh, resume there and got a really nice position, um, a really nice offer that I'm taking up. And I'm looking to be out there inside the next uh, two weeks or so. And the only, <laughs> the biggest consideration I had uh, was my my standing relationship, and then my relationship with jujitsu. <laughs> and uh, you know, it it Those does not the same thing, uh, kind of. <laughs> um, but I uh, I did not have as many options as I do in the triangle. Uh, this is such a amazing place, uh, really jujitsu utopia. <laughs> it's, it's so. So many amazing schools and just great instructors that have all sort of uh, 
popped up around the uh, Hoist Gracie name, and now you're seeing you know Drysdale schools come in and Allianz and all this. Yeah, Tony, you know Tony Casares. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's a really special place to train jujitsu. Yeah, and and the community the community that you have here is not is very unique, and it's how amiable it is, and just sort of you know. You, you have a, an open door policy with a lot of these guys where, um, you know, you can build relationships that really let you see a lot of different jujitsu. And uh, not not everyone is so hospitable, um, especially towards other teams. And so I, I was a little bit worried about that. And like I said, there's not as many um, options from the start in uh, Montana, especially the particular place I'll be. And um, so I, I've been taking my training into consideration a bunch out there and i think it's going to be um you know a lot of a lot of drilling um hopefully find some good partners and you know worst case scenario i have to just find a local wrestling team and get really good at grappling with them <laughs> so am I, am I do i hear you correctly that you haven't found an official gym to train at yet i have not yet no so all of our myriad listeners in billings montana if you want to if you want to if you want to send alex a message he's accepting sponsorship offers correspondence love letters and advice um but it, really, it also, that's for the known world, not just Billings, Montana. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's sort of the unknown world out there. You know, Hillsborough, North Carolina, center of the known world. Like Billings, Montana, center of the unknown world. It's mm-hmm. like it's like Jurassic Park, kind of. <laughs> I imagine so. I, I hear there's some pretty ferocious bear attacks from uh, recent Facebook video activity. Yeah, no, that was crazy. That like I think everybody probably saw the viral video of the dude that got mauled by a grizzly and walked three miles. And and, and I was like, man, is that where you're gonna live? And Alex is like, yeah, about an hour. Wow, about an hour away. I mean, in all seriousness, like Montana has some great stuff and I was I was I wasn't kidding about the moose drill beer that's good beer uh, and you know beautiful outdoors like the big sky Yellowstone National Park stuff like that so that'll be fun even if uh, everybody's gonna be sad to see you go so how do you think like how does this affect your long-term jujitsu goals do you think um, long-term I don't think it affects it too too bad because I'm not looking at Montana as a permanent home right now you know I'm looking at going out there and just sort of expanding and then um, you know, if I have to put jujitsu on hold, I've, I've, I've put jujitsu on hold for months at a time previously. So if, if it comes down to that, it's not. Is that not why you're bad at thing. it? It's exactly why that's happened. Um, actually, I, ha- I have a. That was a question from Jason Colbreth, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, Jason, for sending in that question. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I was talking to James Quigg last night about, you know, how. Imagine like watching videos and sort of replaying your things through your head like you know You're still building those snaps as connections of you know There's a lot of proponents in visualizing your success be it in anything but jujitsu I feel like it, it works out really well and um, Even when I hadn't been on the mats for you know months at a time just watching and being around it You know, it still feels like you're getting some sort of grappling um, awareness sort of building up and you know the time on the mat definitely is the biggest equalizer and like the biggest um, growing tool in my opinion but you can still gain a lot just focusing on jujitsu you know and, and like I'm a huge believer in that and I talk about the I talk about visualization with the white belts a lot and James Quigg who we're gonna have back on to talk about his school fight IQ really soon just talk, uh, uh, like he and I are way on the same page about this in that you know, the studies are very powerful that, like, visualizing, running through your matches gets you about 70% of the way there in terms of synaptic connections, in terms of neural response. And one of the things that's, that I think is is most important, and I try to design drills based on this, right, where you visualize the match you want, and then maybe you run through it in your mind. If you have a partner, you can run through it, uh, you know, physically as well. Um, so, 
Let, let's return a bit to your competition jujitsu out here because I want folks, you know, uh, 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 you know, you've been a mainstay of the grappling scene. You know, you mentioned competing a lot at U.S. Grappling, both in the Advanced No Gi Division as well as the Blue Belt Gi Divisions. You've also competed at Pro Jitsu. Mm-hmm. What are some of, like, you know, you mentioned your match with Eugene. I want you to think about other than, you know, in general, like who are some of the people around that either you've competed against or that you've seen compete? Do you think are the most un, maybe underrated competitors, either that people don't know about or people are aware of but don't necessarily know how good that guy is or that girl? There's actually um, there's a fair amount of really aggressive blue belts in the advanced nogi that have, uh, you know, especially from up near Ryan Hall School, like 50-50, who they really took advantage of having Riley Bodycomb, uh, who was based out of Louisiana and coming up for training camps with Ryan. Now he's based out of somewhere in California, I believe. Um, and he's a Sambo guy, and they, they took a lot from him in sort of the S-drop takedown, straight into heel hook entries, and have done really well with the uh, new swing and everybody sort of jumping on these leg locks. Um, and so from that, I, I would say, you know, Definitely uh, Kevin Samara comes to mind as just, he's he's won the advanced division as blue belt m- multiple times. Um, Cameron Kingsbury usually places well in his division. Uh, great guy as well um, from up that area. You know, any of the Beta Academy guys are s- just monsters. Um, you see guys like Kelly Quinn just tearing it up. Little guy and just amazing at jiu-jitsu. Especially Nogi. Yeah. Especially Nogi. His Nogi is on point. And I would love to see him get a Toro Cup match soon. Yeah, that that'd be a it'd be a fun match. I've I've, I've never seen him have a slow. <laughs> yeah, I've had one match with Kelly, which is on the internet somewhere, and it's like you know it's weird that some of my favorite matches are the ones I've lost, but it was just his transitions nogi are so sick, and it's mm-hmm. like in just it was a short match, it was like a minute and a half, but it was just like bam, bam, position, position. He's attacking, I'm defending, I'm transitioning, he's attacking, and like then I'm tapping, and it's like that was it was it was simultaneously like being in like the most fun I've ever had in a blender. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I filmed that match at U.S. Grappling Raleigh in Dorton Arena. Wow. Memories. Yeah. Ah, memories. I love <laughs> memories of getting tapped out. Um, so I'm going to ask you the same question two different ways. All right. First, why is Jason Culberth responsible for everything good you've ever done? And second, in all seriousness, who are some of the people that have taught you the most about jiu-jitsu, uh, which may or may not include our friend Jason Culberth? <laughs> Jason Culberth is uh, such a staple in my jujitsu um journey because of uh, how mean he is um, <laughs> which would make him so happy to hear uh, if anyone thinks we're joking just meet jason <laughs> <laughs> you know it gives you it gives you a new perspective when you have this um sort of lackluster in physique and general appearance and just really slobby uh, individual <laughs> who is just so mean and does cruel and unusual things and roles and uh, you know you, you hear horror stories of uh, him doing MMA training with guys and not doing anything that actually is effective but just really hurts which I guess it's more like sort of a psych warfare I, John Bagel's stories multiple times of uh, Jason just sort of you know punches in the forearms and like the back of the legs and he's like just cause you know cause um, you know, I know it hurts, and so I'm going to have you enjoy that. You know, having them, him and Max Doran die on aerodynes as they get smacked in the face. Um, and it's just, you know, he's a good motivational speaker, Jason Colbreth. And so he really helps push you those extra couple miles when you're like, oh, what should I be doing? Oh, yeah, he's going to yell it at me, so I don't need to know. Um, I- I want to give you the chance to shout out some of the other people that have taught you so much too. But I like as much as fun as we like to have w- with Jason, and I know, and you know, and we're not joking. He really does love being called the mean old man, which is also an accurate assessment. But like, you know, 
Jason knows so much about jujitsu, and he continues to learn so much about jujitsu, which is what I think makes him such an effective instructor, is that he is somebody that is absolutely locked in on the old school game Mm. but knows all the modern stuff too and if he doesn't know it he's learning it right now he's probably obsessively watching a video as we speak he might bring that up to you as well as mention his world championship which he has recently (laughs) won wait he won the world I I believe that's a thing I've I've heard him uh, I've heard him casually mention that he may be a world champion I wonder if he's taken that medal off yet I, I think it's embedded into his flesh. Yeah, right. I would if I if I won the worlds, man. You'd never get that off of me. I mean, I I I'd, I'd like I'd be uh, I'd I'd put like right next to my shampoo and conditioner. I'd put some like metal polish so I could wear <laughs> that thing in the shower. Um, Can't have it getting tarnished up. That's real gold. Yes, or uh, IVJJF. No, worlds. right. And then I'd have to buy some like Ric Flair sunglasses from the '80s. Grow my hair long. Colbert <laughs> already has those because in addition to being mean, he's very old. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Jake Whitfield and I talk about this all the time too. Like, it, it's you could identify uh, um, J- Jason Culberth as Ric Flair, but it's really much more accurate to identify him as Jim Cornette. And anybody who's a wrestling fan that knows Jason Culberth probably knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, so obviously, so Jason's taught you a ton, and you know, I know that that's been a very helpful relationship for you. Who are some of the people that, like you? You train with Seth Champ now. You know, who, who are some of the people that have taught you the most? Uh, definitely. I, I would have to touch down on Seth because he's been such an amazing instructor. I've been here. Uh, Triangle Jiu-Jitsu is the second longest um, academy I've been a part of. And uh, he, we have a somewhat similar body type, <laughs> but at the same time, there's a big weight disparity there. And so you get to see things where he's like, and he's gone through like similar benchmarks and steps at, um, all throughout his career as I, I am in mine. And so it, we have a lot of good connections there, but our games are still vastly different. And he's uh, he's changed um, my philosophies on a bunch of things, and he, he's slowly making me accept that you know, even though uh, you know you're long and lanky, you can still apply pressure, um, which he is so fond of doing. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, I still have some PTSD over some of Seth Champ's pressure, but man, yeah, right. It's a uh, it, like, but but yeah, no, and like, I, I mean, I really thought like obviously you know Seth Hoist Crazy Black Belt, outstanding at jujitsu. And like, they're just things, you know, you know, for those of you that have never met me or Alex in person, I'm five foot six and about 145 pounds. Alex is, what are you, like six foot three? I'm about six foot three, 160. <laughs> so, uh, you know, ectomorph versus vegan fat. And, uh, and so, so they're just things that, that Seth knows. I mean, apart from Seth being way better at jujitsu than me in every aspect, there's also just the body type issue that, you know, I think it's really profitable to train with guys like, or like Jake Whitfield's student, very good purple belt, Matt Jones, mm-hmm. like Seth and Matt have trained together. And like, they're just things that Seth knows the guys like you need to know yeah and it also you know you can you can find facets of um your game no matter what the instructor really like if you look at um jake whitfield where you know the three of us have that odd thing in common of you know sort of unique flexibility and uh you know that that plays out in roles you know you can't you can no longer use it as well against somebody who has the same attribute. And so once that's neutralized, then you get to realize, oh, there's a reason why he has a very legitimate black belt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Most definitely. And, and, you know, and that's another, you mentioned that the North Carolina scene is special. And, you know, and, and one of the reasons that we'll, we, I mean, we will miss you here in this scene until you come back, which we trust that you will do. But it is that there are so many really good black belts and so many really good black belts that stem from the same like root of knowledge, but have different knowledge bases, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have like guys that are, you know, most of the black belts out here are Hoist Gracie, but like once you have those fundamentals, you know, Jake Whitfield's game is very different than Seth Champ's game, which is very, you know, very different from Jason Culbreth's game these days. Even though those guys have those same core fundamentals that will always inform what they do. Yeah, and that's sort of um, that's sort of 
touches on like like you know how fight math doesn't really add up, and so all these guys have to growing up with um, or you know having their jujitsu grow with each other. They've they've had to ha- find ways and avenues to have competitive roles with the six foot five former competitive basketball player or the freak of nature abnormally strong um, New Jersey man mm-hmm. um, who will remain unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like ki- candy man. You don't really want to mention it. Yeah, if you say it three uh, times, he shows up and then uh, squeezes your head. Uh, so you know, and just because you know one f- style works so well against someone else, it doesn't mean it's going to incorporate and transition to another opponent. And so you get to see how each person has taken other attributes into dealing with them uh, into mind. So Alex, we just have a couple minutes left, and I, I definitely have a couple other questions, but I want to ask, I always ask, is there something that I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, in that case, I have a couple more questions for you, but <laughs> you know, for short answers for two minutes. So um, what do you think the next step is for you in terms of your evolution as a jiu-jitsu guy? Like, what do you want to work on next? Um, you know, like I said, growth in general. Like I don't really mind where it is as long as I'm improving. I'm 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 happy, and you know everybody plateaus. But I like to, you know, I feel like as long as I can remain injury free, even those plateaus, there's steady growth. You know, I, I I'm a huge. I, I really believe that mad time solves everything, <laughs> and so, you know, as long as you're not sick, you know, you should be getting out there. You know, if you're frustrated, if you have any kind of emotional baggage you know it's all going to get worked out on the match you know it's just very cathetic and uh pretty much every way and so that's that's my main focus of growth just more time awesome describe jujitsu for me in three words what does jujitsu mean to you in three words hmm the first one is pretty easy right off the top of the head intense uh from there i'd go with amazing um I, I don't want to commit on a third word right this second. I, I, I need to, I need to have that open for future future ventures. <laughs> okay, well I'll get I'll give I, I, you can you can have an X factor by the third word, but I will just say intense and amazing is how I like to describe myself. Mm. At any rate, I read uh, that on a bio once. <laughs> maybe on a uh, I, th- I think that I saw that that stapled on a uh, telephone pole with like the little numbers like hanging off. Of. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've got you got it's that's just, that's just called marketing. I can't mm. keep giving these lessons out for free. Anyway, folks, I have had Alex. It's been an awesome time talking to you. We'll be sad. Everybody in the North Carolina Jiu-Jitsu scene will be sad to see you go, and we'll look forward to to when you come back. We'll miss you a lot, and uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Man, it was a pleasure. I'm so glad to be here, and it's, it's uh, sad to go, but um, hopefully, you know, the faster I leave, the quicker I'm gonna be back. <laughs> now that's the attitude we look for. My guest has been Alex Cummings, four stripe blue belt triangle jiu-jitsu in Durham, North Carolina, mainstay of the competition scene all up and down the East Coast. You can follow Alex's adventures on our Facebook page at Cage Side Radio. We'll let you know when he's out of town. If uh, you have the chance to train with him before he leaves, please, please do it. He would love it, and I would love it as well. As always, my name is Jeff Shaw. If you want to get in touch with the show, let us know anything that we uh, left out, anything that we should do for a future show. Let us know, cagesidewhup at gmail.com or on Twitter at cagesidewhup. Next week, we're going to talk with some fighters from the TFTC Academy about their upcoming fight, including Samantha Seff. Um, We have some other really exciting stuff to talk to you about, but in the meantime, go register for U.S. Grappling Greensboro October 29th. Go check out Toro Cup November 12th, or if you're anywhere near Indian Trail, North Carolina on November 12th, you better go out and watch C.J. Murdoch's Pro debut. Folks, this is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, and I am Jeff Shaw, and by golly, um, 
Oh, Alex. Alex has just handed me a note. And in the last 40 seconds, I will tell you, Alex's last training night will be at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Durham, North Carolina, this coming Friday, which I believe is the 28th of October. So come on out to Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Academy night class. Fundamentals at 6 p.m., advanced at 7 p.m. If you want to say goodbye to Alex Cummings, we would love for you to be our guest, get in some roles with some people that you know and hopefully like. We will see you all next Sunday. Thank you, as always, for listening. I am Jeff Shaw, and uh, go train.